to 10-0, the podcast by Train Like a Gymnast. I'm your host, Danielle Gray. 10-0 brings together gymnasts, former gymnasts, coaches, judges, and gymnastics enthusiasts to delve into deep conversations about behavior, mental state, physical training, personal growth, success, and more, all learned through the sport of gymnastics. Here's what you can expect on today's episode. Today we hear from certified clinical nutritionist Autumn Bates about the correlation between your nutrition and your anxiety and mental health. I think it's kind of sad because a lot of people, you know, we think that that's normal to feel anxious all the time. We think that it's normal to have panic attacks because in social media, we all joke about, oh, I'm so anxious and and panicking and whatever. Like it's become so normal that it's, people think it's normal, but the easiest first place to start is just cutting out any type of processed sugar, at least while you're in the healing process. I mean, that's just going to trigger that state of fight or flight. In fact, the reason why it does that is because, you know, when you have a rush of sugar, a rush of processed carbohydrates, it causes a really severe spike in your blood glucose level and then also a severe drop. So it's a spike in fall. And when you have that fall, that fall is called hypoglycemia. And that has the same exact feelings and symptoms as an anxiety attack. So it can trigger those feelings of an anxiety attack. So just eliminating that alone is one of the best first steps. But first, a word from our sponsor. My name's Autumn, and I'm a certified clinical nutritionist. I have my master's in nutrition and human performance, um, my bachelor's in nutrition and dietetics. I just love food and love how much it can impact lives when used correctly. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. That's, that's kind of where we're going to take this conversation today. So for you, and let's get into movement, um, how, what's your favorite way to stay active and train and, you know, stay on top of your health and fitness? It's been quite a journey. Um, <laughs> it's been all over the place. So back the first time I really, I mean, I was a, an athlete growing up when, you know, I did volleyball and basketball and soccer and swim team and, and all of that. Um, and then, you know, senior year of high school is when I really started to focus more on training and I trained for my first triathlon. And then um, from there, I, I really got into the whole triathlon and, long distance lifestyle. I did that, you know, throughout college, um, even was part of, for a brief stint, part of the UCSB uh, triathlon team. And, uh, and then now more, I mean, I went through a lifting stage, went through just a bunch of different things, but what I found is really important just to always try new things and whatever it is that's going to make me happy. And just, if it's not making me happy anymore, then moving on, but definitely an emphasis on walking now after all of that. <laughs> yes. So at that point, so you say you focus more on training senior year of high school. What was your kind of, I guess, experience nutrition wise, you know, as a teenager moving into like, oh, now like kind of food is important and then making it one of your top priorities in your life. What were those phases? Yeah, I've always had sort of an esoteric view on food in general, just where I always loved food, not necessarily for the health component, um, at, you know, when I was younger, uh, but I, I have memories when I was in like sixth grade and like saving up money that my parents would give me and walking down to the Vons down the street and just spending a long time, I mean, Vons, not even like a nice place, <laughs> but spending a lot of time uh, going through and, and just figuring out what it is I would want to make and what I could create. So I always just loved food from the start. Um, but then it wasn't until my senior year of high school when I was getting more into um, you know, training and when I started to notice a difference in how I could feel based off of just exercise, 
I was like, okay, well, if exercise could have this impact, what impact can, you know, the food that I physically put in my body every single day have? I always grew up with um, my, you know, my dad's chiropractor. So I always had this more natural approach to health anyway. And then, um, and then during that time in high school is when I was experiencing a lot of anxiety for the first time, or at least really understanding that it was anxiety. So I wanted to see how I could uh, heal my own body just through the foods that I was putting in my body every day. Right. And when you have anxiety, most people think like, what are the different ways I can help with this meditation, therapy, <clears throat> all of that. So how did you make the connection of, well, maybe I should look at my nutrition to try and fix my anxiety. I mean, the first is probably what most people will associate with anxiety and that's caffeine. So the first thing, you know, I was like, okay, well, maybe caffeine is making me feel really anxious because, you know, it's that same type of feeling if you have too much caffeine that you can feel really shaky and uh, a lot of the same feelings that you get when you feel anxious. I mean, I learned later down the line that it wasn't necessarily the caffeine, but that was where I first really made the association between, oh, okay, food can have an impact on my mental state as well. Um, and then I really started to just, you know, research. I mean, at this time I was in college and I was learning biochemistry, organic chemistry, physiology, and I was like, okay, well, duh, this stuff will have an impact on how I feel. If it gets broken down to this chemical nature that actually has a physical response on the body and that physical response has a mental response as well. Um, I think a lot of people don't realize that the physical is connected to the mental because the mental is a physical reaction within the body. That is where it really all tied in for me. And, um, and then I really started to get into the field of nutrition psychology and that's a, a huge booming field. And it's something that I get to work on with a lot of my clients and myself, which is amazing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been, it's what's cool about, I think health and wellness in general is that it's never just a light bulb moment and everything falls into place. It's like you start to, you know, build upon your knowledge and build upon what you know. Yeah. And experimentation. That's a big, yeah. big one. Um, yeah. this doesn't work. Okay. We'll try something else. Um, and then you notice like little parts of it that work. So then you just tweak it. And a lot of people I feel are looking for that quick fix and yes. trying to figure out, Oh, well this worked for this person. So that's going to work for me, but it's not like that at all. Yeah. And not only that, it's also can be kind of you know, a, a little upsetting for me when I see other people who have tried one thing and maybe that one thing wasn't the best advice, you know, someone who didn't have all of the understanding of how the body works, gave them advice. They're like, Oh, well food can heal you just do this, but it's completely the wrong advice. Yeah. And then they have this bad taste in their mouth of, okay, well then I can't heal myself naturally. It doesn't work. Yeah. And so it's, you know, it's unfortunate because I think a lot of people experience that because they do go to you know, you, you can just look so much stuff. So I, I talked about this in my workshop. There's so much information, but not a lot of knowledge. Yeah. 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 And it's, you know, they, that's why you do what you do because, you know, normal people who have regular jobs or this isn't their focus, like they're not spending their time doing this research. So that's why it's important to go to people who study this and this is what they know, live and breathe. So if you get frustrated that you can't figure it out by yourself, that's not, that's not the end of the world. That's not a problem. That's to be expected. Yeah. Um, so can you share, do you have a personal experience where you did notice your mental state shift? So you, you started using, you know, nutrition to help the anxiety. Was there a time where you really realized like, okay, this is working. Was there a point in time there? I think that same thing with a lot of my clients, people don't realize something's working until they stop doing it and they realize that they aren't feeling good. Ah. And that happened to me definitely because, you know, weirdly throughout college, I, I was like the weird kid. I didn't really 
party, you know, I, I, I mean, in the first half, yeah, but the second half, I really didn't. Um, I just, it didn't make me feel good. That's when I first noticed, okay, alcohol does not make me feel great, especially in excessive amounts. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would spend my time like making homemade food and really fueling my body right. And, um, and so I was feeling pretty great. My anxiety was going down. And then after that, I traveled for, you know, after I, I graduated, I traveled for um, about two months in Europe. And <laughs> I mean, when you're traveling at a young age, you're on a budget. And so you're eating very budgety foods, right? It's all just junk and nothing good and just super high sugar, super processed. You're, you're always on the go. So you're eating whatever's, you know, oh my gosh, I used to love the free food they'd give you on the airplane. So I was like, yes, I don't have to pay for anything. And it'd be like a disgusting, like ham croissant sandwich. And I mean, like I would eat it because I didn't have the money to reject it. But, uh, you know, with that built upon each other for two months, I was definitely like during that time, not feeling good, but it didn't really set in until I got home. It was the day that I got home and I, you know, I was go, go, go the whole time. So I don't think my mind had time to catch up as well. So then when I got home and I was able to just relax, it's like all of that compounding effect of that high sugar, um, high fight or flight response type of foods, uh, all of a sudden set in. And I had the worst panic attack of my life where I was out at dinner with my family and I physically felt it's, it's really hard to explain a panic attack unless someone's experienced it, but you just feel like all the sound goes off mm-hmm. and that you don't have control of your body. And it's like your heart is racing, but at the same time, you also feel like it's stopping. Mm-hmm. You feel like you're just dying and you have no logical reason to think that you just, it's just, you have, for some reason, deep down in your mind, you're like, I'm going to die right now. And, um, and that lasted about two hours. And so I, completely sort of blacked out after that I don't have a lot of memories from that just the feeling of being like whoa like this is going to be the last sunset I ever see like that intense feeling of this is the end Mm -hmm. um and then once I you know came to the next day really because it's like you know I I don't even remember anything else from that day remember the next day being like that is not living that is not how we're supposed to live and feel like I need to go back to feeling good because that is just, that's surviving, barely. That's not even surviving. And I think it's kind of sad because a lot of people, you know, we think that that's normal to feel anxious all the time. We think that it's normal to have panic attacks because in social media, we all joke about, oh, I'm so anxious and and panicking and whatever. Like it's become so normal that it's, people think it's normal. Yeah. And it's definitely not. So in, I mean, I've had panic attacks as well and and spiraling and all of that, Um, but every person feels it different too. So when, when you say you feel like, you know, you're quote unquote, quote, dying, in what sense of that did you mean? Like you physically felt like your body was dying or you felt like every, like your mind and the experiences that were happening around you were going to cause you? It's, that's the crazy thing. And it's really hard to explain unless you've been at that point, but it just, it's like, you know, deep down that this is the end, like that I'm, I'm, it's like a sense of overwhelming panic where it's, it's so consuming that you have no logical response to it, but you just know that you're going to die. And I mean, obviously like you can have someone logically who has never experienced panic attack be talking to you, be like, 
you're fine. You're not going to die. But it doesn't, it doesn't register because it's you responding to your own body. You're in that extreme state of fight or flight where you don't have any other option but to think like that, at least in that moment. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. So you only got out of that by like going to sleep and waking up. Like how did you, how were you able to fall asleep that night? Do you remember that? Well, thankfully, you know, it's, um, my, some other family members of mine experience it as well. Um, they've been able to handle it, uh, especially lately with a lot of the strategies that I've learned and developed, but, um, at the, I mean, again, the really best people to talk to when you're experiencing a panic attack are those who have already experienced panic attacks because they know what it feels like. Um, but I remember my dad was there and he'd had panic attacks in the past as well. And so he just took me on a walk and was just talking to me, like, just like, you know, not trying to talk to me about that situation because that's right. the last thing you want, right. but just talking to me. And I don't remember what we talked about. I don't even know if we really talked that much, but I know that we were gone for about two hours because the rest of my family was done with dinner and we were already back home. So um, I don't remember going to bed that night, but, you know, I, I'm sure it was difficult. <laughs> mm-hmm. But wow. yeah, it's, it's crazy. So for, I guess, transitioning now back into the nutrition side of it for people who are anxious or busy or say they don't have the time to eat healthy or do this and that, like, how can they start to, I guess, work on their nutrition? Is there a particular method that you like or uh, that kind of got you going? I mean, what's really interesting about nutrition is that it really is not a one size fits all. Um, everyone has different food preferences, different cultures, different needs, different goals. So everyone is going to have something totally different. But the easiest first place to start is just cutting out any type of processed sugar, at least while you're in the healing process. I mean, that's just going to trigger that state of fight or flight. In fact, the reason why it does that is because, you know, when you have a rush of sugar, a rush of processed carbohydrates, it causes a really severe spike in your blood glucose level and then also a severe drop. So it's a spike in fall. And when you have that fall, that fall is called hypoglycemia. And that has the same exact feelings and symptoms as an anxiety attack. So it can trigger those feelings of an anxiety attack. So just eliminating that alone is one of the best first steps. Um, I mean, there's so many tools, like we talked about intermittent fasting, improving sleep quality with nutrient timing, but it, um, that's, you know, that's why I've worked with so many people on that because it is such a more hands-on experience, especially if you're looking to heal something. I mean, but if you are looking for more general health then that's, that's a little easier, but if you're looking to heal something, it really is a layering process, just like what we were talking about. You know, it's not just changing everything at once because tell, tell an anxious person that they change everything at once and they'll be like, okay, bye. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So you mentioned intermittent fasting. What are the benefits of intermittent fasting? And I feel like since I, since I, you know, do that method when I, when I need to like clean up a little bit, or I have my clients start off with it, you know, what are the benefits uh, that you have discovered from intermittent fasting? Yeah, well, one really great thing it does, especially when you do it the right way, because there are a lot of wrong ways to do it. Um, one thing that it does is it's been proven to help with insulin sensitivity. 
So insulin, if you're insulin resistant, that's where you can also get, you know, more of those severe spikes and falls. Um, so the more insulin sensitive you can be, the overall better health that you'll have. But also when it comes to anxiety purposes, the more stable blood glucose levels you'll have. Mm. And if you have those stable blood glucose levels, it doesn't trigger as much of those anxiety attacks or anxious feelings. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, <laughs> I have probably about 60 hours worth of intermittent fasting videos on my YouTube channel. Um, so <laughs> I could rabbit hole down this, but there's, there's, I mean, just to bring it back to talking about mental health purposes, um, biggest thing that I've seen is that it does stabilize that blood glucose level and make you more insulin sensitive, which really helps to prevent those anxiety feelings. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you say to the people who, um, you know, they, they have like a, crazy schedule or it's very inconsistent or they just say like I can't go that long like they have all these limiting beliefs that stop them from trying it or like they can't figure out the schedule of what to do how can how can they do it the schedule can totally take time I mean it can take time depending on um, each person to figure out what will work for them and not everyone should have the same amount of fasting period and um, so it, it totally depends but on the note of what you said on people who feel like they can't go that long that's actually the biggest sign that somebody should use intermittent fasting because if you can't go I mean even 14 hours without eating and that's including eight hours hopefully of sleeping um, then that shows that your cells are not very metabolically flexible, which if you don't have metabolic flexibility, then that's one really easy way to really de decrease your energy levels, to get brain fog, to not be able to tap into fat burning. So if you're looking for any type of weight loss as well or athletic goals, then that is the first thing that you should be doing. Right. And is there a particular hour split you like to start people off with when they're getting into it? Um, you know, it depends on the person, um, because if you are more metabolically flexible by nature where, you know, you have been following proper nutrient timing in the past, um, and you don't have very high processed carbohydrate intake, and you're already getting great sleep, then you can start off with a longer uh, fasting period first. But if you do have, you know, a standard American diet, or you're having high processed carbohydrates, lots of sugar, if you drink sugary Starbucks drinks every day, you know, like all those things that'll make it so that you are more um, metabolically inflexible, yeah. then that's where you'd want to start off slower. So with like a 12 hour fast in the beginning, just to get yeah. used to it. You know, most people, especially in America, we aren't even going 12 hours. Right, right. And so people, if you, if you, if you try a longer fast and you break it, don't punish yourself. Don't feel like you're a failure. Just bring back your window a little bit and then get the success there and then start chipping away as your body starts to adapt. Cause yeah. I get that all the time with like girls like, Oh, I can't, I can't do the fasting. Like it's too long. Or, um, like I broke it and I feel bad that I did that and just adjust. <laughs> Yeah, and that's something I talk about a lot with, um, you know, the people who utilize my intermittent fasting program. I tell them to make sure that they are actually eating until satiated and following the proper nutrient timing because it shouldn't be difficult after even, you know, even for the most metabolically flexible person, even after a week or two, it really shouldn't be difficult to extend your fast because your body is already, you know, being able to fuel itself and have the food it needs in order to stay satiated because that's the biggest problem. So, so many people are, are pairing it with caloric restriction yeah. and that's, that's just, you know, a recipe for feeling starved. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of girls, even in that window I have experienced, they tell me that 
they can't even get to like their kind of recommended calorie amount for the day. Like, like if they have their basal metabolic rate, <clears throat> let's say it's like 1200, like that's just, we'll just use that number. Um, like a lot of girls, even in those, the window that they're eating are eating less than a thousand calories, which is absolutely like a big no, no, you should not be, you should not be eating less than a thousand calories per day just to, you know, sustain life and be able to function. So for people who are trying the window, feel like they can't get enough food in that window, you know, maybe they are busy or they're not allowed to eat at work or anything like that. Um, you talk about eating for satiety. Like, so what are those foods that you recommend that help people feel full or how they can kind of bulk up a meal to make sure that they are getting enough in that window? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I first want to go back to the calorie thing. So um, if, you know, again, what I talk about with my people use the intermittent fasting program, I do not recommend counting calories whatsoever. Mm -hmm. It has been proven time and time again that it actually has no correlation with weight loss, really, at least long term. And in fact, there's a study that came out showing the biggest loser um, contestants where, you know, they were on, yeah, the weight loss um, what were they doing? I don't even know, like 1200 calories a day. Um, and maybe even less for some days, I'm not sure. But they found that even eight years later, or however long later, their basal metabolic rate significantly went down. And that is why calorie counting does not work long term. Multiple reasons. First of all, because you can't really ever know for sure how many calories you're burning. Right, Second right. of all, it doesn't really matter because your hormones will dictate whether or not you're storing or you're burning. So it doesn't really matter um, if you are having, you know, uh, 1200 versus 1800, if you are in storing mode or if you are in fat burning mode. Right. And then lastly, I found that it really does have this um, psychological effect of increasing stress level and increasing stress level when you are counting calories causes that increase in cortisol, which causes that weight gain on the belly. So ultimately, um, not only does it not work, it's not accurate, but it goes against your goals. So I definitely don't recommend, you know, to my people that they ever count calories, um, rather eating until satiated. And that's something that can take time to figure out. Because we are so used to eating based off of a number and not off of how our bodies feel. Yeah. So it definitely does take time, which is why I do really go over a lot of those strategies inside of the program. Right. Um, but yeah, eating, uh, using the proper nutrient timing that I discussed in the program, having the, the proper foods at the proper times and making sure that you're not just having these small meals just because you want to try and reduce calories because ultimately that's going to work against your goals. You know, I um, always show on you know my YouTube videos and my um, Instagram stories and such, my salads are bigger than like my head. So yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So starting to just tap into that knowledge of your body and how it actually feels versus relying on a number to tell you when you should be full. Yeah. Um, be actually much more accurate way, weirdly enough, than relying on those numbers. Yeah. And your body sometimes won't even absorb all those nutrients that you're getting. Like it could just be going straight through you. Like if you're not if you're not pairing the right foods with the right, you know, micronutrients as well, like your body's not going to absorb it properly. So totally agree with, on, with you on that point. So ha, uh, going into now how they can, you know, feel satiated, like 
obviously healthy fats are going to you know sit in your stomach longer take longer to digest and make you feel fuller for longer what are your go-to like healthy fats or foods that help you feel full yeah in a lot of the smoothies that i um create for the program i i use things like chia seeds and hemp seeds and um peanut butter almond butter coconut butter those are all really great to load up in a smoothie mm-hmm. um and just getting a variety of of foods really you know we're so used to having a lot of the same foods because it's easy and we're used to it right yeah. um but if we stick to a lot of the same foods there's actually a huge diverse amount of fats as well that we need to be getting um i mean not technically need to be getting we only need to be getting two of the fats but there are a massive amount of fats that we could be utilizing in order to actually help our body turn off their hunger hormones yeah. and if we're just having like you know like if we're just having avocado, you know, like just avocado, that's just one really type of fat that we're getting. So I just really recommend getting a variety of them and making sure that you're having them at the right time. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, so kind of wrapping up and summarizing and putting this, uh, in perspective, you know, what is your, I guess, one to two little nuggets of advice for people who want to get back in shape, lose weight, feel good, feel like themselves again. Maybe they're a former athlete. Maybe they just like know that they, they have potential and they're not, they're not maximizing or operating at that level that they could be. What is your advice to them? First of all, stop relying on food companies to tell you what's healthy. You know, they have a vested interest in you believing that their product is healthy. And that is, <laughs> I have a whole video on the 10 health foods that aren't actually healthy on my YouTube channel. And it's pretty eye-opening when you actually look into what's in these foods that are claiming that they're healthy, um, that they're actually just destroying your health goals and making you have uh, low energy and just mood swings, just all these things that aren't actually going to make you feel good, aren't going to serve your goals, and definitely is not going to help you tap into fat burning mechanisms. So just don't put your trust in the food system because they have a vested interest in you buying their stuff and believing that they're healthy. Um, also, just making sure that if you are going to use intermittent fasting, that you do use it the right way. I mean, I've had, I had one um, friend, family friend of mine where she had some hormone imbalance issues. So her um, naturopath told her, hey, you should use intermittent fasting. She's like, okay, great. And you know, most, um, even naturopaths, which are amazing, they just don't necessarily have the time to go over the type of, um, you know, consulting that is involved in putting together a plan that will actually fit that person and what they're looking for. So she went to use intermittent fasting and ended up putting her hormones even more out of whack because she just didn't know what she was doing. She just thought it was like, okay, I'm just going to just not eat for a little bit of amount of time. And that's not how it works. You need to make sure that you're also looking at the proper nutrient timing. They're looking at eating it all satiated. They're making sure you're working at the right times of day. Like there's so many factors that go along with it that it's just, you, you can't, you can't just simplify something. Um, you know, your health is a complex system, just like what we're talking about, adding on the layers too. So um, just making sure you're doing it right, either, you know, working with a professional who actually knows what you're talking about, using the intermittent fasting program that I mentioned that really goes over the nutrient timing, but just making sure you're using it right, because it is a great tool, it can be really used well to help to heal your body, to help get those fitness goals, but you have to actually do it right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I think that is a great, just with anything, like quick, easy fix, just doesn't exist. 
Exactly. I mean, just like I'm sure with you with training, yeah. um, you, you can't just go out and, um, you know, just run all day and expect to have muscles. Yeah. <laughs> you, you have to have a plan that is actually tailored to your goals, just like what you're doing. Right. Right. Yeah. So the last thing would be, um, we ask this to every guest who comes on in terms of, you know, the, the name of our program. So what does it mean to you? to train like a gymnast, what does that mean? Well, I mean, I knew you in high school, right? Um, so whenever I would think of you in high school, I would think of like, damn, she's strong. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I was not very strong <laughs> in high school. I mean, I'm still pretty wiry, I'm working on it. Um, but I think of it as just being strong and being um, able, you know, like, like not just being the meathead at the gym that's lifting weights, but being able to use your body in a way that's not just lifting weights, but, you know, being active too. Right. I love that. Functional fitness. Exactly. Perfect. All right. So then just to sign off, go ahead and explain how people can get a hold of you or where they can, you know, ask you questions. Yeah. Um, I am on Instagram at Autumn L Nutrition, so Autumn and then E-L-L-E -L -L -E underscore nutrition. Um, my website is autumnlnutrition.com. I have a YouTube channel with, like I mentioned, hours and hours worth of um, footage that you guys can check out with a lot of questions that you probably have also on intermittent fasting answered. So that's, you can just search Autumn Bates and I'll pop right up. Um, and then, yep, that's, oh, I also have a private Facebook group, but that's for my A and peeps who are using the intermittent fasting program. So those are all my main Thanks. Awesome. I love it. Well, if anybody has any questions, definitely reach out to her, find her on social, um, and, you know, contact and, and take a look at her programs. If you do need extra, you know, unique help as well, she's also a wonderful resource for you there. And for those of you who are Los Angeles locals, Autumn and I are going to be doing a workshop at Lorna Jane Manhattan Beach on June 22nd. That's a Saturday kind of early it's 8 a.m but <laughs> that's right before the store opens and if you attend the little workshop you also get a discount on Lorna Jane items in the store Ooh, I didn't know that. yes so you'll get to do a little hit workout with train like a gymnast and you'll get to learn more about kind of like mental health and nutrition from autumn and ask us questions so how long is the workout the workout i'll make it like 20 minutes cool that's about how long i'll be able to last yeah <laughs> yeah hit is really 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 fast really effective and yeah. the awesome part with hit you'll get to keep burning calories even while you're sitting there listening to us so um i hope to see you guys there and i want to get a good group uh coming so it, you can bring a friend you're just gonna have to register on the eventbrite but also i'm sure they'll let you in day of it's just for them to be able to plan so perfect so much for having me on this is so fun yeah yeah you're welcome thank you for coming on Thank you so much for listening. I know there are hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, and you've chosen to listen to ours. If you enjoyed this episode, there's more coming to you, so be sure to hit subscribe to not miss our next episode. Next week is our season one finale with 2008 Olympic silver medalist Alicia Sacramone Quinn. Supporting our podcast would mean the world to us and ensure that we can have a season two. So just hit support this podcast on our site on Anchor. If you're interested in training like a gymnast, go ahead to trainlikeagymnast.com and see how you can get involved. Until next time, show the world what you've got. Be outstanding and train with purpose.